I'm taking all of you idiots with me. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today we have some call him the King of Tennessee, some call him the leader of the Bama Bros. It's the one and only Merzane. What's happening, my guy? Nothing much. Just woke up. I have my sweet tea because I'm from Alabama, so we don't drink anything else. I feel uh, you. It's beer or sweet tea. Beer or sweet tea in that order? Um, it all depends on what time of day it is and if the beer is available. Right. I got you. Yeah, I uh, I do love me some sweet tea, but I try to avoid it because that stuff's like addictive. <laughs> it is. It, that is why the entire state of Alabama is in on it. Like, right. It's a conspiracy from Milo's. From uh, Milo's, huh? Yeah. You know Milo's sweet tea? I do. Is that is that the best sweet tea? I don't know if it's the best, but it's certainly the one that gets sold the most. I feel it's you. It's everywhere. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Bojangles. I love some Bojangles sweet tea. Oh, Bojangles is delicious. I mean, we just got yeah. one that's relatively close to Memphis, and I just can't quit going. It's, we had them back home uh, in South Carolina from where, where I'm from, and so now that we have one at least relatively close here in Memphis, I'm I'm just right back in on the train. Yeah, I, uh, I only maybe a year ago got into Bojangles. I had a friend who worked – for Bojangles, and I was like, well, if they'll hire that idiot, I don't think I want to go to that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, one of my friends told me to go because it's delicious, and I'm like, okay, I mean, it's just fried chicken or whatever. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good, and it's really well-priced. Yeah, I like this place. Yeah, yeah, and the bow rounds are some of the best sides you will ever have. What is what are the, what are the bow rounds? And is this like the little hash brown things? Have you not had oh, those? Oh, yeah. Those things are delicious. Yeah. Yeah, and the the seasoning they put on their fries. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. It's so, that stuff. That stuff's addictive. Exactly. So if you're uh, out there and you've got a Bojangles near you and you haven't tried it out yet, you heard it here first. <laughs> Get you a number twelve, two pieces of dark meat with two sides, fries, and whatever else. It doesn't matter. Exactly. For like seven bucks. It's super good. Super cheap. It's good. Speaking of things that are super good but not cheap, we have a lot. To discuss today. So first up, we're going to be talking about Hulkbuster since he was revealed not that long ago. We haven't taken the opportunity to discuss him just yet, but we're going to get in on that train. Hulkbuster and his little buddy. And then also we are going to be talking about the crisis changes and how it kind of affects the more competitive side of things. Because, Merzane, you've got kind of some Interesting takes on that, and I'll leave it right there to let let it stew for people for a little while, but we're going to talk about Hulkbuster first, and then if we have time at the end, we're going to talk about my list for the TTS League, which I got to take for a test drive last night, and one game, it worked to perfection, the other game, it was really bad. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so I'm playing Convocation, so it's it's... It's going to be interesting, to say the least. But 
let's just jump in here with Hulkbuster. And as per usual, we're going to take a look at this model first. And I got to say, I love it. I think it's just super great. I think all of these sculpts that they've done recently are just so dynamic and wonderful. And I really like this one a lot. I think it really captures the feel of the character. And then with his, his little ejector buddy, I mean, it just looks cool. It just looks cool. What do you think? I, I love it. I I am absolutely blown away every time they re they reveal a new model, and they just show how much they're learning every time they uh they make something new. And I, I the the comparison of this this version of Tony Stark versus the core box version, uh, it's just it's it's a night and day difference. It, it's been two years, yeah, and they've improved so much. Exactly. Um, We've also moved on from Tactical Rocks officially. It is officially Tactical Explosion slash Fire season. <laughs> yes, right. We are in Tactical Explosion season, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I dig it. I dig it. I, I don't paint, so I don't have to worry about painting it. Well, but I know go. some people don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, explosions and fire are hard, but, you know, is what it is. So we've got Hulkbuster here with an alter ego of Tony Stark. His top stat line is 13 stamina. He moves medium, size 4, threat value of 6. He has a physical defense of 4, an energy defense of 3, and a mystic defense of 3. So on this here, what stands out to me the most is probably the medium move, honestly, on that 65mm base, like we've seen with a character like Ghost Rider, just how powerful of a move that can be. And yeah, 13 stamina is a lot and all that stuff, but like the the moving medium on that is pretty huge. What about you? What stands out there on you? I, I do think that that 13 stamina um, stands out. It feels like the namesake insists it's, it's built to, to withstand a Hulk, it, you know, or, or try to match its stamina. It's not quite there. Obviously, it's it's a suit, so it's not going to be quite as hard to kill as as an actual Hulk, but it definitely gets that feel of uh, trying to match. Uh, and the bit and the major difference too, we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure, is that it flips unlike a Hulk. So right, uh, it's it's a lot of health to chew through if you've ever tried to chew through um one of the Hulks. It 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 can be a lot. Yeah, and, and looking that, at someone like Magneto, this is about as much stamina as a Magneto has, I think, uh, or close to it anyway, on the front side. So you've got a lot of health to chew through for your cost, and so you're, so you're making, you're, you've got, you've got the the stamina to make up for the cost. Yeah, I think so too, and and that's one of the things that I do think is a little interesting here is it is only thirteen stamina, when given the fact that like you know, in context with other kind of six threat models, but at the same time, it's there's some stuff on the card that we're going to find out about a little later that kind of make a little, little more sense for seeing only 13, but I think you're right. Like, it's way more to chew through than I think you realize. So, you want to go over his attacks? Absolutely. They're probably my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, his first one is Heavy Repulsor Blaster. It's a range three, six die, zero energy cost. Uh energy attack after the attack is resolved he gains power equal to the damage dealt his second power however is after this attack is resolved if it did not deal damage this character gains one power and after this attack is resolved push the target away short 
second attack, his spender, is a physical attack called Meteor Punch. It's a range 3, 8 strength, 3 power cost attack. The target character does not gain power for damage dealt by this attack. If this attack deals damage and the target character is size 4 or less, after the attack is resolved, the target may be thrown away medium. And on a wild, it gets explosive, so before damage is dealt, other enemies within 2 will suffer a damage. I love these um, attacks. What do you like about them so much? I just, I think they're super thematic. Um, Shuri's gun, being able to push people constantly, I think is a really cool design space, but not for Shuri on a three-pointer. Right. But being on an Iron Man feels really good because that's what he does. He, he shoots someone with a repulsor blast and like sends them flying. Uh, it being on the Hulkbuster is super cool. Um and then I think the greatest thing about this, and I want to see more of it going forward, is on his heavy repulsor blast, he gains power equal to damage dealt. But it has a stipulation, if it doesn't deal damage, it gains a power. And I absolutely love that design decision. I think it really helps a six-pointer, maybe not for all, all point costs, but for your heavy point costs, when you're wanting them to do things to make their point cost up, but you need him to gain a little power. It's so nice for the for him to have a guaranteed way to get it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Do you think that there's like a threat value cutoff for that? Do you think it's six and above, or do you think it's five and above to have something like that? I think five. I can definitely see it being there. I could. I think you could make arguments for fours. Uh, you know, Captain Marvel's a really strong character that needs a lot of power. I think it all depends on the the power economy that character has. Yeah. For if you go lower than six, but I definitely feel like fives and sixes are where that feels super good because it's so much of your list. Um, and then also, I just just look at these attacks. They're built to fight hulks, and that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I really like the. Heavy Repulsor Blast as it's range three, six dice, so it's you know pretty potent. Any, you know anything that says six on it, I'm just like yes, please. And the fact that it has that stipulation to gain that power, I mean, you're probably going to do damage. But we've all seen those dice rolls where it's just like, oh my god. I can't tell you how many times my Thor has whiffed a four Asgard for me to be excited that he gains a power. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I also really like that it's after this attack is resolved, push the target away short. It's just has to do the push. You you must do it. So I think that that's a really interesting like kind of decision point for the player to, all right, do I want to push this person away or do I want to try to get in a position to double tap or what, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I love the idea that Hulkbuster, because one of the things I think about when I think about the Hulkbuster, like, especially from watching the movie and what little I know about the comics, is it's not going to take the fight on and beat him. It's really just there to take a few hits and kind of pin him down until backup arrives or until he calms down. Right. So, like, he has some heavy-hitting attacks, but both of them do things to control the Hulk. Oh, yeah. So, like, Meteor Punch will throw him and then make him not gain power. Heavy Repulsor Blast keeps him away. So it really feels like that Age of Ultron scene where he's just like pushing him away and, and knocking him back and be like, stay away, stay away, calm down. Right. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. I wish that was an attack. That would be amazing. Or like a superpower or something. That'd be just so great. But it just, 
it's so thematic and it feels really cool to have like i feel like with hulk and she hulk and magneto we've got really good offensive durable beaters yeah and hulkbuster can be a beater but he feels like a good control piece he's a really kind of like how hulk was originally a finesse piece yeah but he was really undertuned the hulkbuster feels really tuned but as a good finesse piece, and these attacks really exemplify that. Oh, yeah. I think his control is going to be way undervalued at first. I mean, in some way, I guess. Like, I think you look at him, you're like, oh, he's 13 health. Oh, he's big and beefy. Well, yeah, and he's a control piece. Like, <laughs> you know. Yep. And I want to talk about Meteor Punch for a second because I think that this is an example of a spender that I really want to be using. Yes. You know, because there's a lot of characters that have those spenders where it's just like, I mean, it's okay. Like, if you kind of have nothing else to do and, you know, it's like, for instance, uh, playing Brother Voodoo last night, or sorry, Dr. Voodoo uh, uh-huh. last night. And, you know, his staff of Legba is his spender and, like, it's fine, but I never wanted to use it because I was doing so much other stuff and I needed the power to do that other stuff. And... While Hulkbuster has other stuff he can do and probably wants to do, I think Meteor Punch is just such a potent attack, and it's range 3, 8 dice. It only costs 3 power, and you should be fairly flush with power on Hulkbuster that I I see myself really wanting to do this fairly often. I agree, yeah. I I, I think that they there's like a, there's a weird balance. You could have the best spender in the world, but if you can't get the power for it, it's, you know, it's, you're never going to use it yes. i think but and if you have a bad spender but all the power in the world to use it like say enchantress you're never going to use it uh so it's nice to see that they're kind of hitting that power gain and other ability like the, the the power economy to spender cost ratio they're kind of dialing it in and, and hitting the mark a lot closer with with stuff like this because there's times where i feel like heavy repulsor blaster is a great choice yep and then there's even there's there's also times where meteor punch is going to be a fantastic choice oh yeah power it, denial. it's all depends on the situation Mm-hmm. that power denial from that meteor punch is is don't sleep on it <laughs> yeah that, that's huge I, I feel like we don't get to see a lot of it because like the first one we got that on was ebony maw right and we haven't seen it a lot since like Ghost Rider's Pennant Stare uses it, but and is it the opposite because they lose power? Yeah, but no one really plays Ghost Rider except Matt the other day. Good congratulations to Matt winning that game with Ghost Rider. Uh, but it's um, it, it's really cool to see that on a on a piece that looks really solid. So we can finally start seeing these kind of mechanics hitting the table. Absolutely. So. Let's now talk about his superpowers. And first up, we have a leadership for the Avengers. So we have three Avengers leaders right now. When an allied character would suffer damage from a collision, reduce the amount suffered by one. If your squad is using the Hulkbuster's leadership, when this character is put into play, you are still using this leadership ability. More on that at 11. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that seems like a very, very, very niche leadership. It's not one that I'm going to build around personally. What about you? Um, I don't think you build around it, but I definitely see it if you're playing like the way that I see I'd use it is I use people like Luke Cage. Um, Justin was using, you know, the full 
at NashCon was using the full suite of uh, reduced by one characters. Yeah. The vulnerable characters in his Avengers list with Sam. I could see you having matchups where you have like uh, Brotherhood, where you know there's a lot of throws coming in, where you take a couple of those and Hulkbuster, and all of a sudden those throws are not doing a whole lot of damage because uh, you're reducing them by two. Right. Uh, before your your great physical attacks or your great physical defense, excuse me. Um, I, I think it's something that you play incidentally, but like you said, it's something you really build for. You're not you're not going to take. Hulkbuster as your primary leader with all these dudes on the table built to withstand throws because it's just not relevant. It's not going to come up enough right. to be better than Sam or Steve. Right. But but it's a great option. It, it's a super good secondary leadership. I think people are going to underestimate it a lot, and it's gonna uh, it's gonna cause a uh, some people to make some bad decisions going into Hulkbuster led teams. Yeah, I can see that too, and I think that. The only situation where I think that you need to look at this leadership from a like kind of take a step back and just be like, well, this isn't very good. It's it's very niche, but when it says reduce the amount suffered by one, it's not to a minimum of one. So the old, well, let me get somebody down to one health and then throw them into somebody else to kill them. Well, that's not going to work. Yeah, and and I think that that's where you've got to look at this leadership from a perspective of. If you expect to go up against somebody that's going to be doing a lot of throws, and then, like you said, the reduced by one to a minimum of one, plus this natural damage reduction, I mean, it's it's pretty it could be pretty stout. And I could see that being something really interesting to look at, again, depending on the matchup. So, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited. I, like I said, I, I don't think you're going to see it everywhere, but when it's played, I think, I think you see it be very relevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Next up, we have an active superpower. We've seen this one before. Hit and run for two power. And also, it will cost you one of your actions. This character immediately makes an attack action followed by a move action. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Yes. I'm sorry. Yep. This is one of my favorite superpowers in the game. Like I like this more than charge, personally. Like It's one of my favorite superpowers. And the fact that it's on this character is, like you've talked about with his attacks, so thematic and just so much fun. And it makes him really good. Really good. My, my only complaint is that it's called hit and run because I feel like one of the, one of the coolest ways you're going to use this, honestly, is go hit and run, repulsor blast something like a Hulk back, move forward and meteor punch them even further away. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it had been renamed something different. Because they do that, they, they'll rename right. things like invulnerable to different things to get thematic. But the the mechanics of the ability are so good for him because there's so many things you can do. And like like I was mentioning before, make, making him a finesse piece, this is going to be a big part of it. I think out of every character with hit and run, he's going to be utilizing it the best because he's got reasons to go to come in, hit and leave. He's got reasons to hit and dig deeper. There's just all kinds of things you can do with the hit and run. Absolutely. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you hit the nail on the head more than any other character that has this. So, like, Cyclops has this, Sin has this. Sin uses it really well, too, I will say, but she uses yeah. it in a different way. But Cyclops is another example of a character that has this, and you really want to get his wild push with it. But you really, you know, kind of sometimes have a hard time doing that. Whereas with 
Hulkbuster here, you know you're going to get the push, so if you feel like you've taken a little bit of damage, you need to back off a little bit, well, you can hit and run, have your Repulsor Blast somebody, you know, short away from where you are, and it's like assuming that, you know, you're not right there next to them. So it's just, you know, yeah, I'm just, I think this is wonderful. And also, let's not forget that if you're base-to-base -base with somebody, a heavy Repulsor Blast short is not going to get them out of range three. So you yeah. can use that to your advantage in terms of measuring and stuff. But I just think that this just makes him so much more versatile than he already was from just what we talked about already. So I love yeah. it. And it's only two power. Yeah. Uh, he, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but he'll have that power every time he needs it. Exactly. So then we've got a, an active superpower. Now I'm mad. For three power, choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less within range two and throw it medium. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So it's a terrain throw of size four or less, which I like being able to get that little extra bit of damage. I do wish it was a character throw, but that would have been too much. Yeah. It would have been too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, I'm really liking the direction they're going with character throws, where they'll have a superpower like Now I'm Mad that throws the terrain. And then a, an attack that throws the character. So you're having to spend actions to get those enemy displacements. Yeah. Um, I think they were a little too zealous with overzealous with with just giving people <laughs> you know free throws everywhere. Right. And I'm really enjoying a lot of these newer characters have had the um, the character throw separate from the the, the terrain throw. I think it make I think it, it helps keep a lot of characters balanced. Yeah. Um, and when it does show up on a character like Clea has it, it's very notable on Clea because she's not doing a whole lot else. But that piece that she that throw that she has is one of her probably one of her most powerful uh, attributes. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I, I really like Clea quite a bit. So I'm, I'm excited to I, I say I like her quite a bit. I think she opens up some <laughs> options for the convocation that without her you don't have. So there's that. <laughs> I think that, too. So. Yeah, I like this throw. It's solid. Nothing more to say other than that, what you did there. So next up, we have a reactive superpower called Built to Take It. It's going to cost you one power. When this character is targeted by an attack, it may use this superpower. So that's important right there. You have to use this on the targeted step, not once you take damage. Reduce the amount of damage dealt by this attack by one. This character cannot be pushed as a result of special rules during this attack. So I feel like that that last line is specifically in there for anti-Shuri tech. But <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and, and, and talk about this right here. Because this is a different kind of damage reduction than we have from other characters. So, you know, you see like a character like Thanos. It's like after the attack is resolved, he just reduces it by one. And then you got characters like crossbones that have a nerd to pain where they can spend a power and reduce the amount suffered by one same thing with kingpin this is a little different where you have to kind of preload it yep. and i really like that you know what i mean yeah i i like and dislike it in equal parts um because sometimes it feels bad when you do a preloaded ability like that and you get no use because you block it all, they roll nothing. Yeah. 
sometimes it's a bit of a feels bad. Um, but I definitely like the what it does and the thematics it brings again because I'm really into the theme of this Hulkbusters, right. the entire theme of the character. Uh, I I also like to note it doesn't stop throws; it is specifically pushes. Yeah. So attacks like meteor punch that will throw you. Talk. We're, we're talking about that a minute, so just a second ago. Uh, it doesn't work on those for, for the anti-displacement. So that's something to keep in mind, so you don't get uh, gotcha thinking, oh well, you can't be moved. It's you specifically cannot be pushed. Exactly. Yeah, that's very important. But it's still a fantastic ability. Yeah, I mean, anything that reduces your damage taken is really nice, and I would probably see myself using this more often than not, just because he doesn't have really any other dice fixing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So being able to just, hey, I'm going to reduce whatever incoming damage I'm going to take by one, and then that way if you do whiff that defense roll, you at least are going to be reducing it a little bit, and... I layer under that the fact that he has 13 stamina, which you're not going to chew through in like one round, but you could definitely, if you leave Hulk extended out there a little too much, he can be vulnerable. So timing your built to take it, I think is going to be really important. Yeah. And, and what it definitely does too, is it makes him less susceptible to a lot of small arms fire, which feels, feels right. He's in a giant suit of armor. Right built to take the Hulk, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't really protect you super well from big, meaty attacks like from a Hulk. So the Hulk is still going to be chipping away at him, um, but your Shuri's and your Black Widow's and I would say your Koye's, but we know she's going to still kill you. Um, <laughs> your your lower, your street level characters typically aren't going to be uh, contributing a whole lot to taking him down, um, which I think feels perfect. Yeah, or controlling agree. him for that matter if they're going to be pushing him because he's just going to he's going to brace it and he's going to say nope I'm still here yeah I'm, I'm no, Iron I Man agree. <laughs> I'm Iron Man <laughs> love it so next up you have an innate superpower enhanced support systems Iron Man Hulkbuster in parentheses so just just bear with me there's a lot of text on this but we'll explain kind of how it works <laughs> in just a second If this character would flip its stat card to the injured side, place Iron Man, parentheses Hulkbuster, within range two of it, not Corset Iron Man. Yeah. Then remove this character from the battlefield. Iron Man Hulkbuster has no damage, power, special conditions, or effects, and is now part of your squad. So this Iron Man Hulkbuster thing just comes in totally fresh. And then the last thing on this superpower, additionally, during the power phase, this character gains one additional power. So you're netting two power right off the rip so you have access to hit and run right away. I love it. Yep. Yeah, uh, when I first, when this was first spoiled, it was just this side. And... um reading enhanced support systems and the second line of Hulkbusters was absolutely blowing my mind because I had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, it all makes more sense when you read the other the other side. Yeah, let's, let's talk real quick. So it says, if your squad is using the Hulkbusters leadership ability, when this character is put into play, 
you are still using this leadership ability. So yep. let's now take a look at Iron Man Hulkbuster. And and well, he also has this same leadership, Hulkbusters. So it's, it's the same reduced damage from collisions. If your squad is using the Hulkbusters leadership, when this character is put into play, you are still using this leadership ability. So basically, no matter what happens, whether you are using Big Hulkbuster or his little buddy Iron Man, you're still using the Hulkbuster's leadership. And I'm glad they worded it this way because you could have had like some kind of loophole where you know, maybe at that point you switched over to Cap or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, or you lost it. Right, somehow. or you completely lost it. Right. So this is a really nice like little bit of rules wording here. But let's talk about Iron Man Hulkbuster. So, another little cool model. Like, I think we already talked about that enough, but it's is a cool little model. And he has a stamina value of 5, a movement of medium, size 2, still threat value 6. <laughs> he has a 2 physical defense, a 2 energy defense, and a 3 mystic defense. So, a little different, and basically it's like, you know, it's just regular old Iron Man, but you can't have a big, bulky, normal Iron Man suit inside of Hulkbuster, so it's a little little svelte, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a man-in-the-machine kind of feel. Like, this isn't yeah. his combat suit. This is, this is the backup, oh crap, uh, I gotta get out of here kind of suit. Exactly. So, what are his attacks looking like? So he's got uh, the Rapid Repulsor Blast. This is a an energy attack, range 4, strength 4, zero cost. After this attack is resolved, this character gains one power. After this attack is resolved, push the target character away short, and it has rapid fire on a wild. So it's sort of like Shuri's attack, but with rapid fire, which rapid fire being after this attack is resolved this character may make one additional rapid repulsor blast attack. The additional attack must target the original target character, and this additional attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because, all right, this is his only attack. We'll go ahead and say that. Yep. This is range four, strength four, so you're not taking anybody down. I mean, dice spikes happen in this game all the time, but let's just, you know, odds are you're not taking anybody down. After this attack is resolved... Push the target character away short, period. There is no may. You you have to push the target character away short. So, no size restriction, too. Uh, yeah, no size restriction. But if you're using this version of Iron Man, you're probably going to be fr- at that distance where you're not going to be banking on that rapid fire. And just just I'm just going to say this right here, Merzane. If you're chasing the dragon of trying to get the rapid fire and chasing the dragon of what we're going to talk about in just a minute, good luck. I'm excited to see when that happens. But if you put Iron Man in a position here where you're going to be able to do that rapid fire because it has to target the original character and you've already pushed them away short once already. So if you're attacking them in that range three to four area, they're out of range now. So you've got to be up in there to even get rapid fire so, like, I don't even, I just want you, everybody to understand the range you're looking at here. Like, he's going to have to be in the thick of it in order to get the rapid fire to get those extra power. Yeah, I, I think the only time you ever, ever consider, I really want this rapid fire to hit, is if 
someone came to you, you're still alive, and you can't leave because you're on a really important objective. And you're like, yep. wow, I just need to get you like literally as far away as possible. Yep. And hope for the rapid fire. That's it. That's it. And also, let's go ahead real quick. You mentioned on an objective. Iron Man, Hulkbuster, little buddy here, he's healthy. He's a healthy character. He is healthy. So after you eject out of your decimated Hulkbuster, which is the transform rules. So check in the, I guess it was the Ant-Man and Wasp pack that original transform rules. They're on the website, but basically you just place within one. Is, is well, this was different. This one's not transform. Yeah. Because this one is a place within uh, Iron This Iron Man places within two. Within two, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it does say that on the thing. My bad. But um, just, you know, keep an eye on that. Um, but, yeah, you are healthy, so you're contesting objectives. So that's, I think, something that's under undervalued sometimes with stuff like this. And, and so there you go. Now let's talk about his superpowers. Do you have anything else to say about uh, Rapid Repulsor Blast? I don't. Uh, it's it's a decent builder. It's not going to build you a whole lot of power if you're spiking for good reason. You'll know that. You'll know why in a second. Yeah. Um. A lot of a lot of what happens will make sense when we talk about the next power. So I think we should go ahead and go for it. All right. So the next superpower is an active superpower. Always have a backup. It will cost you. 10 power. Now, when you use it, place a Hulkbuster within range 1 of this character. It has no damage, power, special conditions, or effects. Hulkbuster gains an activated token. It is now part of your squad. Remove this character from the game. Yep. Well, all right then. Um, So... (laughs) I do want to bring up one noticeable difference between this and the ejection ability Go that for I think it. is really important that's gonna, that some people may not catch. So enhanced support systems, when you're in the Hulkbuster and you go down and you, you eject into the Iron Man, that Iron Man that you eject does not have an activated token. So that Iron Man can immediately activate that round. Absolutely. They always have a backup when the Hulkbuster spawns in when you when you drop the Hulkbuster and he climbs in, it gives the Hulkbuster an activated token. So popping out, you can run. Popping in, you're gonna have to wait a turn before you can actually use it. So keep that in mind. Be careful with uh with how you do these two because I feel like that's something that can get people caught off guard when they're using it. Oh, um, absolutely. But and it's very it can be very important. <laughs> absolutely. And it, I mean, it can change your points. Like if you transform into the the, the Hulkbuster, and now you le- left a point, like we talked about a minute ago, you know that can have an impact. And then just in general, being in a negative position, you're gonna take some damage, all that stuff. But your Hulkbuster at that point, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, another thing too, this is something that's tr- you t- you brought up transform. It's similar. You can't just pop the Hulkbuster or the Iron Man down exactly where they're standing. You have to place them away like they do they will be in separate places so if you're standing on an objective you have you might have to place them in a weird way like you just mentioned or you might not be on that objective when you place exactly so be very careful when you're placing this exactly and this is one of those things that mcp has just a very few things where it's like 
I'm going for this and I'm going to make it happen and it's going to be amazing. And this is one of those things where it's like, let's just talk about this logically, Mersane, because at the point when Hulkbuster's taken down, it's likely round three, maybe round four in a long drawn out game. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to build up 10 power on your Iron Man here and you're going to get one from his repulsor blast like you can count on one because you definitely can't count on two and then he gets one at the start of the the power phase you can maybe do some advanced r&d to get him another one it's going to be tough for this to happen again yep and i think that's important because if it were to happen especially in like a turn three oh buddy yeah i um i don't foresee many people being able to drop in a backup Hulkbuster. It is extremely difficult. Yeah. If uh if all goes well and you're taking him in Avengers, let's say you're taking him in his own Avengers. We're not gonna get into like power reduction like Steve. Right. If you do double repulsor blasts every turn and get the rapid fire trigger, so you're getting your maximum power gain, it's still gonna take you two rounds to get to the 10 power because you'll get one from each shot and four shots and then one for the beginning of the turn. Uh, And then it will be another round before you can actually use it. So if it's round three, when you get knocked out of the Hulk buster, you get five power round three, you get five power round four, drop it. You can't use it till round five. Most games don't make it to round five. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's a lot of ifs it's a lot of most, ifs most likely even if you're helping him it's round five or six before you can drop it yeah and then you get to use it yep i love it I, I think it's really great and thematic but it's one of those things where it's intentionally difficult and and that's a good thing so yeah it, it would be a little unfair if uh you killed the hulkbuster and it just came back Every single time you killed it. Oh my god, yeah, it'd be disgusting. Oh, it'd be disgusting. So, he still has a couple other superpowers here, so let's talk about these real quick. We have a reactive superpower called New Plan. It'll cost you two power. After an attack, targeting this character is resolved. If this character was damaged by the attack, it may use this superpower. This character advances medium. So here's what I think you're going to be doing more often than not at the point when Hulkbuster is gone. Using new plan to get the hell out of the way and go score points. Yep, I think I think he'll stand on a point. I think you're, it's, she's, he's going to turn into Shuri. He's yeah. going to stand on a point. He's going to pull. He's going to push people away. The only difference is when someone comes in to commit to him, he's going to say, "All right, new plan," and he's going to bounce exactly, <laughs> and then come try to take it again later. Exactly. So. That's probably where I see you using that power more often than not. And then he's got an innate superpower, Secondary Support Suit. When this character would be dazed, it is KO'd instead. This character cannot be included in your rosters. It never deploys at the start of the game and can be put into play only as a result of Enhanced Support System superpower. And then he has a final superpower, Flight. We all know Flight allows him to move freely over a terrain and stuff like that. So... Merzane, what does secondary support suit kind of mean? Because we've seen something similar like that before. So 
similar to the Hulk, where the Hulk doesn't have a backside to his card. It's just another healthy side. This superpower just tells you how he actually gets KO'd, which is when he would be dazed. The difference between him and the Hulk and She-Hulk, Hulk and She-Hulk both de- KO when their card would flip. Right. So if there's ever any reason for your card to flip, such as at the end of the turn after you're dazed, then they KO. So they can be field dressing, for example, or mm-hmm. affected by other things. They, they exist on the board until the end of the turn. This Iron Man does not, as just like normal, like a normal character on their injured side, when they when they take all their damage, they're immediately removed. Yeah. So there is no second chance for him. This is the second chance. Yeah, this is the second chance. Get that Hulkbuster out. <laughs> Get the Hulkbuster out or, or leave. Another notable thing, Flight is on Iron Man Hulkbuster. Flight is not on the Hulkbuster. Exactly. So he's not flying up on top of any apartment buildings freely. He's going to have to climb. Yep, but he is size four, so he's flying. He's climbing over most other stuff pretty easily. Yeah, he's he's gliding over most things. There's but there's going to be those again. There's going to be those times where someone's going to forget. Exactly. Oh, I can't just jump on top of this building because it looks like he can fly. He's got the repulsors on the model, but he's a. Uh, I guess he's just too big. He's too thick. <laughs> he's too much of a thick too boy. Too thick. So yeah, I all in all though, I really like Hulkbuster. I like everything that they're doing with this character. And the little secondary little buddy. I just, I love the whole thing. And let's real quick talk affiliations because I think this is the, uh, the, the kind of where, where you're going to put this six threat model. And frankly, I, I love, I mean, we know he's an Avenger, right? So yeah. Yeah. I love him with new Steve and like, a Steve Hulkbuster as your core 10 and go from there, season to taste, I'm in love with that. Yeah. I, well, especially with the, the new Steve just looks really good. And I think Hulkbuster really benefits a lot from it. it he doesn't benefit with built to take it is the only issue. Right. Built and to take it costs one. But doing one power hit and runs exactly. or two power now and mads is pretty good. It's pretty decent uh, and helps out his power economy a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're getting that meteor punch all the time then i also really like sam honestly uh yeah i was gonna run him this season in sam if i was allowed to but uh, i wasn't allowed to have fun ah. so he did not make he could not make the cut uh because we talked about how survivable he is and sam typically spams and i am all about that and that's what i'm playing but i felt like it'd be really cool to have a single tentpole character that i could i could turn to on certain objectives especially with him being such a hard control piece yeah um under Sam's leadership, he gets extra maneuverability for free for no reason, and then also gets to heal for no reason. So, like, if, if someone else dies, built to take every built to take it, like, basically does two. Cause yeah. You get to heal him for one for free and yeah. remove conditions. And I think a lot of people are going to be trying to pin this guy down with conditions. Absolutely. And, Merzay, do you think he has anywhere that he would want to go, like, out of affiliation? It's so tough. Like six threat characters yeah. are really hard to pin down because a lot of people don't want to take six threat characters in their own affiliation. Yeah. And then you try to take them somewhere else and exactly. people look at you crazy. Now, um, I definitely think the cute way to take him is if you want to put it, if you want to try to build a Hulkbuster, if you want to try to get him down, pop Tony out and put the, put a new Hulkbuster on the table I think the two best options for that are going to be in humans, where you can just siphon a bajillion power to him. Yeah. Or Cabal. 
where if he can get maybe a buff on him, he can build uh, he can build a lot more power off his attacks, mm-hmm. especially if he's hitting wilds. In the mythical scenario where he does a damage and, and rolls a wild on every single shot in a single round, he builds nine power in a round. So that's a good way to get close. Look, that's 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 warping some reality, but I would love to see it. <laughs> um, other than that, it's really hard to say. Uh, Midnight Suns is one I've heard a little talk about because he's on a he's on a big boy base and he yeah. gains two power, so he can. I think I heard on Danger Room that he he's mathematically allowed to. Bump in the night forward on the one move, move forward, grab a middle objective and and bounce. So that's pretty good. Yeah. You might so you might see him there. Uh Dark Dimension is an interesting one because everyone likes more power, right? Exactly. Like, um and it also sounds really funny to have meteor punches fuel someone else and oh, know, not right? fuel your opponent. Like that could be kinda cool. Yeah. Um as a uh, very controversial choice, talking about conditions affecting him, it's a very high co- power team or very high cost team, so it's probably going to be a like a three or four wide. You could take him in a, a, an Asgard. He's got enough. Right. He, he's a pseudo Asgardian already with the two power gain. Yep. No, I could see that. I also, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I think that he could have some fun with like Web Warriors. I was about to say that. I mean, it's my meme. <laughs> look, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it on this, but like thinking about it logically, right? Like you can still load up your web warriors, especially at this point with like Moon Knight out and Black Cat out. I mean, you can have Hulkbuster and then a bunch of threes out there, and then he's just running around, just taking everything for you. And then your your rest of your web warriors people are just like doing their objective thing, having a good time. I think that could yeah. be fun. He fits like he fits what they want to do. Like he's pretty he's pretty hard to down, and he's mobile. he's actually kind of hard to move because he's size four, right? And he's got a lot of control. Like exactly, exactly. Like I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll, we'll we'll see. You'll see that on the on the stream at some point. I'm sure. Do, so. do we want to mention the other thing that came with this pack oh, that we, I think is going to be really interesting for him? We have to mention the Helios laser bombardment, the spirit bomb. Yeah, the spirit bomb. <laughs> Lend me your energy. I'm sorry, but that's so what it is. It's... When I uh, I actually got to play it. I played a, a friend, uh, Matt. Shout out to Matt. Uh, and I definitely took it on Three Point Iron Man, and yelled in the game store, "Lend me your energy!" And as I shot a 23 dice attack into Carnage. Oh my god! All right, so Helios Laser Bombardment is a tactics card that. I don't see any reason why you would if you're if you're playing some version of Tony Stark, you're taking this card. Like yes, it's too good. So it's so good. <laughs> like note I said some version of Tony Stark. So if you're playing Corset Iron Man, why is this not in your roster? So Helios Laser Bombardment is an energy attack five, range 5 strength 2 with a power cost of 0. However, during Tony Stark's activation, any number of allied characters may spend power to play this card. Tony Stark may use the attack shown above. So it's only two power. Well, this attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. Add dice to this attack roll equal to the amount of power spent to play this card. Holy crap, okay. 
on a wild <laughs> sweep and clear. After this attack is resolved, enemy characters within range two of the target character suffer one damage. So, Merzane, there is no limit to the amount of power that can be spent to nuke somebody off the board. Correct, which means there's no limit to the amount of fun you can have when you when you buy two or three more packs of dice to play this card correctly. Exactly, and there's also no range limit for where people can be to spend their power. So you can literally have people completely on opposite sides of the board about to die, and as long as it's Iron Man's activation, hey, let me just have all your power since you're about to go down anyways. I'm... <laughs> I have, in several of my games, looked at a model across the table and said, wow, I really want that guy to die. And I want that guy to die as terribly, quickly, and flashy as possible. Oh, yeah. And this there is, is not a single card in the game better than Helios Laser Bombardment <laughs> to fulfill just that wish. My only complaint. I do have a complaint. Oh, there's I, a complaint. My, my one complaint is sweeping clear. So sweeping clear. For a wild, as the attack is resolved, enemy characters than two of the target separate one. I wish AMG was brave enough to make it a higher cost, double wild maybe, wild crit, I don't care. I made it for every of that combination. So you could just and not just enemy characters. I, I would be more than willing to say all characters within two. Yeah. Suffer suffer damage equal to the amount of those things. Because it's a giant laser from space. Exactly. <laughs> but I understand why they did it this way. It's fair this way. I can be fine with it. I would have just been way more hilarious if Tony Stark was standing point blank with someone in like a big brawl on a middle point of Gamma and said, you know what? Screw it. We're all going to die. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a backup. Don't worry about me. <laughs> well, we're, I'm taking all of you idiots with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. But this 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 card is probably my favorite card in the game right now. It's so and good. This is it scratches everything. As a competitive player, it looks like a cool option. And as a in my casual games, I'm just like, of course I want to throw thirty dice. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be such a cool card. It is. I, and someone uh, mentioned in one of the chats. When they were talking about, you know, what are things that you can do to core Iron Man to make him better? Because, you know, all the rebalance is coming up. That. I remember someone said, well, maybe you don't have to do a whole lot when you just give core Iron Man the keys to a death laser. <laughs> and then he can't be ignored. <laughs> That's really good, yeah. The keys to a death laser. <laughs> You remember that guy that you said is the worst character of the game? Well, he can one-shot your leader out uh, of nowhere. So you better watch out. That's just that's just glorious. Him. That's just glorious. Okay. Ooh, all right. So we got we to gotta keep it moving here because you got places to be and stuff to do. Yep. So before we move on, I would like to go ahead and remind everyone that we're doing a giveaway for all of our Mystic Wave people, basically. So we're going to have two separate winners. One winner is going to get Dormammu. The other winner is going to get, like, the other Mystic people. So make sure to check out our Facebook page on that. It's the pinned post at the top there. Leave us a comment, like our page, and then you'll be entered to win. And also, if you're a suit out there, there's ways to get bonus entries, and that is by sending us a message either via Facebook Messenger or 
email or on our Discord, however you want to do it, send us a message and you'll be uh, entered in a bonus entry for secret codes that we have. And I would be remiss. I feel like this would be just, I will have no other opportunity to use this secret code. So this week's secret code is definitely Spirit Bomb. I was going to suggest it. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, it, it's Spirit Bomb. So send us that message to get your bonus entry. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with some more bonus entries. But I'm excited to do this giveaway. And I just want to go ahead and preface this real quick, though. There have been some massive delays uh, lately with releases. So when the giveaway ends, as soon as I get the models, I will get them mailed out. But just realize that delays are a thing right now. But, you know, I just want to make sure everybody is on that same page there. But, yes, Spirit Bomb is your secret code. So have fun with that. Now, let us go ahead and talk about these changes. So, Merzane... What changed in Crisis Selection? We talked about it in the last episode, but I want I want you to explain to everybody what exactly changed and how, and we'll talk about how it affects the game. So the current way that you choose select Crisis, you know, you bring your three extracts and your three secures. Forgive me, I'm going to call them reds and blues. It's just going to happen. You bring your three reds, your three blues. Um, priority goes. Priority player chooses which one they want to pick. They shuffle them, randomly get rid of one. However that may be, let your opponent choose one, discard one, whatever. The two you have left, you take a look at them and you choose the one you want from those. And the opponent does the same. The non-priority player will do the same thing. The change now is you will randomize them and you will randomly select one of them. And that will be the one you choose, which I think the way that that's going to manifest is you, you splay out your three to your opponent face down. Like, and when they would normally discard, you'd, you'd say, which one do I discard? You'll say, which one are we playing? Yeah. Um, so what this does is it means that you no longer get to choose which of your three crises you actually get to play when you sit at the table. Now it is going to be a completely quote, quote, completely random crisis um, hindered by you know the, the ones you brought you and your opponent brought in your list. Okay. So, go ahead. No, I was just saying. Okay, I'm I'm just I'm just listening to you right now. <laughs> um. So what I think that what this does, or what this was planned to do, was kind of a twofold thing. One, it's supposed to help stop those turn one plays like panic grips the city. Uh the weird ones that people were thinking about doing with Deadly Legacy Virus, where someone will do this this play on the very first activation, get some crazy lead, and run away with the game. Um, those are a problem. I agree. I like the, I like the fact that they're trying to address that. Uh, the other thing I think it's supposed to do is, one of the things that a lot of us competitive players have to keep in mind is that this is primarily built as a casual game with... Mm-hmm balance built around being fair which is what facilitates the competitive play by not just just in parallel like it just it just happens to be that way yeah um so this isn't really i don't think a competitively minded change it is built to most it's supposed to help with casual players too it from what i've read with some people is that it feels i feel like it helps ease the 
the burden of feeling like you're getting like the analysis paralysis like which one do i choose in this situation yeah um or getting to the end of the game and realizing oh i should have chosen a different one instead that was a mistake and that the kind of feels bads that come from that um so that's the most objective thing i'll probably say all day about this (laughs) (laughs) um so so let me let me just jump in here on this point because i think that that's probably where we can, we're going to get into the rabbit holes and we're going to we're going to get into yeah. the weeds here but i think that's the point that we have to remember when we're talking about this and when this discussion is brought up is that what is this change intended to do and i know some of what you're about to say so i'm i'm excited to talk more about it here in a second but i think ultimately it's meant to like you said ease that burden on those more casual games and you know, like you said, this game was was meant to be, you know, superhero battles, come to the table, bring your favorite people and and just throw dice at each other and have some fun. And, you know, the more competitive community still, you know, gets into that. And this is not like a it's not a dig at anything about competitive communities. I'm not wanting to get into that. But, you know, competitive community comes in, plays the game. It's a really tight rule set. It's really good rule set, really fun characters. It's characters we love, all that stuff. So competitive comes in and says, okay, well, how can I min max this in a way? And so, you know, it kind of maybe stretched a little far in one direction. So it's AMG maybe trying to pull it back in another direction. Maybe. Yeah. And, you know, assigning intent is, is a dangerous thing to do, but yeah. So now, now continue with what you, what do you feel about this, this crisis? Let me, let me comment on that real quick. Because I want to, I want to dissuade something. Because I know that what a lot of people, there's a lot of times where you'll say competitive and casual. Yeah, I don't players. I, don't, I feel weird saying that. I want to, I, I want to touch on that just real quick because I think it's really important for a conversation like this. Um, I don't, I, I do consider myself a competitive player because I like to play a competitive game. What that means to me, and that can mean a lot to different people, and I know it means the same to other people, is I'm not looking to come to the table, look at my opponent, whoever they may be, and say, I'm going to kick your teeth into the dirt mm-hmm. and make you have absolutely no fun this game. Because yeah. I like this game a lot. I think the game is a blast. And when I sit down at the table, I look at you, and I want to have a fun game with you too, regardless of what you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. And regardless of what you want to play. I want us to both have fun. What it means is... I want to push my skill and I want to push the game to the limit and see how far I can take it, how good I can get at the game. I'm not a big fan of turn one plays. It's a big reason why I like, I I secretly kind of like this change in some ways and that direction that they're going for, because I think that they're unfair. But what I like is a completely fair game where both players come to the table and have a competitive chance. Yeah at being able to win. It's one of the things I love about it is I feel like when you get the right games in this game, it can go back and forth and just be a blast. Absolutely. Um, and when you talk about casual players, that's both are such loose terms to me. A casual player is someone who is not looking to win, which I'm, I'm looking to win because I'm trying to challenge myself. It's a challenge to myself. Um, but a casual player to me is someone who, who they do want to win. I think, I think everyone, everybody wants to win. Wants to win. Yeah. Um, but they're more, it's more about the story that they have unfolded during the game necessarily than the outcome or 
what they get afterwards. So, you know, they don't want to win the tournament. They're coming to play a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and if they're not having fun at that game, they're not going to play casually. Then they're not going to play. Right. To me, that's what that means to me. Um, <clears throat> very broad sense of those terms. I can feel you. Um, that being said, I think there's a lot of overlap. Absolutely. I, I, I'm probably one of the more casual, competitive players uh, in some in some ways. Other other competitive or casual players can flip flop. It's kind of like the three the three uh, personalities for Magic: Johnny, Timmy, and Spike. Right? Like you're not <laughs> just one; you're a combination of the three. Right. Yeah, and no, that's definitely yeah. Yeah, I don't think that there is a. I think that very few people are the binary. I am hyper casual or I'm hyper competitive. Personally. Yeah. Now, with that being said, now to talk about the change, I think it's a bad change personally and i don't think it's going to accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish as effectively as they think it will um and i'm gonna i want to answer these questions too because they're, they're relevant because there's some show questions is that am i allowed to do that yes yes we have show questions so if pertaining uh, to this <laughs> if you want to inter sprinkle those in while you're talking about it that's i think wonderful uh pickle asked do you think the blind drawn crisis will really affect the game or should you be planning for most threats when building a roster so I do think it affects the game. Um, and yeah, you should be, even now you should be picking, you should be trying to build for every threat value and every outcome possible. Um, but the way that this is going to affect the game, I think, is for competitive play, you're going to see homogenized crisis selection when we're looking at turn zero stuff, when we're looking at roster building. I played a game Wednesday um, where I played Web Warriors with this change and all of my blues were were decent areas mm-hmm. because that's what I'm best at. Whereas before, I may have taken something like Gamma for a very specific matchup. That's just an example. Or in my like in my current Sam Spam build, I bring Spider Portals for the Black Order matchup. When someone drops Black Order, I want to try to get that Crisis because the way Black Order plays, it helps even out that matchup that one's a little bit more in my favor but i want to bring it so i can make it less in their favor Mm -hmm. now i'm not going to be able to do that because now what happens if i play that versus asgard who might be a little bit better with all their extra power generation and i can't swarm a point and just take it right so now what i'm going to start doing is i'm going to start taking i'm going to pick the three that are the most similar and the most similarly advantaged or neutral for me I think that's going to be the two breakdowns. You're going to either pick a scenario that is advantage towards you, like Asgard with flip objectives, mm-hmm. or neutral, like Hammers, where Hammers, is, as long as you're not doing a weird turn one play, it's fairly neutral because there's an even amount of Hammers. You both have to come up to get them. Or stuff like Demons Downtown can be a little bit more neutral, um, depending on the, the people you're playing against. Because what's going to feel really bad, and maybe even worse than before, is if you bring something like Demons Downtown, because sometimes you're good at it, and you play against Black Order, right? and they're way better at it, and you just lose it, you lose a game like you do now without really feeling like you got to play it, but you didn't have a choice, and you didn't have any kind of way to stop it. Um, it doesn't stop the turn one plays, what it does is it it makes people do them less often because they don't have the option to pick. 
And it also means that let's say someone is doing a turn one play that is going to try to you know pull the game in their favor. You can make it put a crisis in your roster designed to help counter that. Maybe it scores faster than panic grips or something that encourages them to come forward. Now mm-hmm. you can't do that because they're going to, if they randomly get the 33% chance to get panic grips, the city, which is just an example. I know that, you know, there's a lot more going on. Uh, you don't get to pick something to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that in terms of, you know, when you're at the table and you, and you see what's across the table from you saying, okay, well I have a tool to deal with this. And I think that that's definitely a consideration when you're looking at it from like a big tournament. Like, you know, we were at NashCon and, you know, everybody's coming to the table trying to, you know, play on that upper echelon of the competitive thing. Like, you know, all a lot of the the big competitive people were there and all this stuff, you know, some of the main voices in that community, I guess you could say. And. You know, I could see like if you're playing into someone like uh, Finger Guns with his Black Order list, you know, you you know what you're going to be getting into there. So, you know, do you do you try to pick the opposite crisis from what you think they might want, or or something like that? Like, you know, they want to play those extracts where it's like you know Cree Core and Scrolls, you know, just like a like a fight slow game just win by attrition so you've got to you know try to think about that when you're when you're picking that and i think that where this change really comes in with competitive stuff is paying that much more attention to what your opponent has as their secures and extracts and then if you win that priority role making the good choice like either put yourself in an advantageous position or try to say okay well i'm not going to give you what you want i do agree with you that I think you're going to see a um, less spread of crises with something like this because it's like okay, Web Warriors is probably a bad example because pretty much if you had secures, you're taking all three Ds anyways. Like you can make a case for other things, but like I know the way I did it was I took all the D secures because it didn't matter. I just wanted that shape. Yep. You know, but other other teams I can see it being a little more you know of an of an issue i guess but like you you have enough crisis shape diversity in the game right now to where i think especially with secures you can you can say all right well i'm going to i'm going to make it to where i want to be in a c shape and you can pretty much guarantee a c shape in some way or another same thing with with extracts what i do think that this does is kind of swing that pendulum back in the other direction of where we've been in a an, an if you I don't like using the term meta in this way but I think it's it's right right here but we've been in an extract heavy meta lately like the extracts define the game and I feel like it's going to swing back in that other direction where we're going to have secures more defining how the game goes than the extracts that's definitely a potential um I definitely think the, the one thing that will make me more sad is so I think one that you'll see a lot, an extract you'll see a lot less of for some people will be research station. Yeah. And maybe I'm wildly off on this and some, one of my competitive friends is going to send me a, a message saying I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, 
but Research Station is one it feels like is a really it's a super fun objective. It is so much fun. It is, and for a lot of lists, it's very fair. Yeah, like I play in at Nashcon. I played against Kenny. He played Defenders, and he brought Research Station because he wanted to try to drop everyone on the middle with portals and defenders. And I played Sam and we had a, an all out brawl in the middle going for it. And it was a blast. That's what it's supposed to be. But I'm not going to bring research station anymore when I think I, I may have brought it this season. It's definitely been a consideration to bring cause it's fun and yeah. I can, it, it's a neutral scenario for a lot of people. But if I come across criminal syndicate or black order, for example, those are two scenarios I do not want to play against them. Absolutely. Criminal Syndicate's going to set one person in the middle, and I have to set three to take it, or two. And I have no extracts to be able to pick up and steal from them to help uh, counter their heavy secure game. Yeah. Uh, they're just going to be advantaged the entire game. And against Black Order, it's going to siphon us to the middle of the table, and if they're bringing demons or gamma or even a C scenario, the object, the focus of the game is going to be the center of the table, which is exactly where they want the attention of the game to be. Yeah. So I'm playing into them by accidentally giving them something that fixes their strategy, which is kind of where I'm coming from with the, you're going to choose something neutral. Like if it doesn't directly benefit you, you're not going to, you're, you're going to, not take it unless it makes it doesn't directly benefit another team exceptionally now do you think that the the change in the rules for like roster building and uh, adding the extra tactics card not so much but like the the gem aspect of things do you feel like that that kind of more neutralizes the black order stuff like do you think that that saying okay well now you have to take thanos in this configuration you know what i mean like you know going to the table that you're getting the you know eight point version of thanos or or whatever right like your opponent already has those those gems assigned to thanos and corvus so okay i i won priority now i get to say well i'm choosing this threat value and then you can't bring something else because you're going to be committing to this here like i guess what i'm trying to say is like do the other things that have been announced in conjunction with this seem to kind of make it as not as brutal in cs research station yeah like that's that's just a brutal matchup right Mm -hmm. it's it's a brutal matchup but it's also one that i think we're looking at it in this super broad thing when we need to think about it maybe in a little more narrow terms of like out of all the people that play crisis protocol especially in a competitive sense you know it's a pretty fair spread amongst affiliations with certain ones being more popular than the others and cs is probably bottom third in popularity probably (laughs) and and that's it's fine like you know the things that are gonna be popular the things that are not gonna be popular could a model come out that makes cs more popular sure it could but the point I'm making is, I think looking at it like, well, oh man, this is just super bad into into CS, so therefore I should never take it. It's like, I mean, I get where you're coming from on that, but I just don't necessarily think that that's a reason not to take a super fun crisis. Uh, the, from a competitive standpoint, the issue is 
I probably won't see it. But what, for for me anyway, it's not fun to sit at a table and know I'm going to lose. Right. So well, if you I roll those dice, I could roll the <laughs> dice, but it's not fun to sit at the table and know from the start I'm on my back foot. Which is what yeah. one of the things this 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 change is supposed to fix. Which is why I think which is why I think you'll see a lot less of that. And I don't think you know Black Order or Criminal Syndicate are necessarily the only ones that are going to benefit. Um, they're the two I bring up because of the ones that are typically in my head and probably two of the most egregious examples of it. Sure. Um, and the other reason I bring up Black Order is I know everyone talks about how you know Black Order is powerful, but I think in my opinion, we look at casual play, right? Because this is a casually focused change. I think Black Order is potentially a huge negative play experience for a new player. Oh, I, uh, I think or, in general, or yeah. Uh, you have to play a very specific game into them. And now, the gem changes may help. I, I really need to see that more of. And they may change them so that they're not this, you know, not what they do now. Right. And they play more, uh, more of a similar game. But I feel like as a newer as a newer casual player, there is the potential that you just act the potential to accidentally give your opponent something re- really feels worse. Like you couldn't have done anything. It felt like the game stacked against you. And as a competitive player, I know why and I know how. And I'm going to be like, okay, well that sucks, and it happens. But I feel like someone who's more casual and just want to sit down and have a fun game. You know, personally, I only get like two or three games a week. Yeah, I don't so get much personally. If you're one or two games at the game store, you go up and someone's playing one of these lists and you accidentally give them something great and you don't have a fun time. That's a real big downer. And there's nothing you could have done about it outside of just not taking the cool objective you wanted to play. Yeah. And so I think that that's a really negative change for people like that. And one, one of the things I've seen too about, you know, I've seen a lot of people say casual, a lot of casual players are already doing this. Like they were doing that from the start. Because it just made things faster, it made things more fun, and that's great. And another reason why I don't think it really needed to be changed in general, because a lot of casual games are just going to do how they want to play, how they want to play. Yeah. And so when you make it the official rules, what it really affects is the competitive scene, because we're going to look at the rule book and say, well, that's the law. We're playing that because that's the way it's fair. Right. Um. And organized play too. Organized play, like you know. But a lot of the organized play typically is a special game type where it also is not affected by this. Yeah. So really what this is affecting is next time you go to NashCon, you're going to have to go by this rule. Um, it's not going to affect the casual players who are already doing this or are going to look at it and say, well, I don't like that, so I'm just going to play it how I normally play it anyway. Make yeah. up my own scenario or play it the way I used to play because I like it and that's what I'm used to. Um, so I, I don't really think it hits that. I don't think it hits the mark there either. Um, let me let me ask if you that this. Makes sense. Let me ask you this, because this is this is I think something that I haven't seen discussed about this. Right. Do you think this is maybe AMG saying, okay, well the core rules are 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 good for for competitive play ish, but mm-hmm. battle realms. Now that's where they really want to start pushing the more competitive scene into. Um, I don't know. Again, this I, I don't want to get to a, a discussion about battle realms because <laughs> I also really don't like battle realms. I don't either. Um, I don't either. But I'm just saying, like, 
because because that format I think lends itself to that more you know like counter pick pick counter pick you know kind of stuff. So I'm with you there. Like I don't necessarily want to go that, but I'm just saying maybe that maybe there's a little hint of that. Maybe and I'll say this too. One of my favorite things about this game is the bridge because we talked about casual versus competitive versus quote quote. My favorite thing about this game is the way it bridges the gap. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Um, I came from War Machine, and when you play War Machine, you play competitive or you play casual. And once you do one, it's so hard to bridge the gap and go to the other. When you've played competitive for so long, it's hard to get into the wild, wacky crap that you do in War Machine at a casual level. Right. And like, either play it thematically and have fun and not stomp your opponent by accident because you're used to playing at such a level or actually have fun playing it. Whereas in this game, the bridge between casual and competitive is as easy as, well, I'm not going to take Enchantress this time. Right. (laughs) That's literally it. Yeah. Um, Or I'm going to play Enchantress, but I'm not going to bow everything off the table. I'm just going to play and have fun and roll dice. It doesn't, and I've mentioned this to when when I talk to people that I demo to because I do a lot of demo games. Is I'll get a lot like I'm so like thank you for doing this I'm sorry and uh, it's probably really boring for you having played so much to play the demo game so much I'm like no the demo no, game the is demo's a blast fun. Mm-hmm. the demo is a game it's not like I had to you know, bring less characters or bring characters I don't like or play on scenarios that I would never play anywhere else I get to play a game with somebody I take out the tactics cards personally because it makes it easy same but at every level of this game you are playing the game. And so I don't like changes. You talk about Battle Realm. I don't like changes that feel like it would separate the two sides of the game. That's fair. I want both to, to work on the same system because when I go to the game store, I want to sit down and say, hey, what do you want to play? And when they're like, I'm just looking to play casual. I'm looking to play for fun. I can build a fun list right there, have a game, or, or bring my competitive list, tone back my play a little bit, tone back my style a little bit, have a fun game where we laugh and do dumb stuff and have a good game and then go to the next table and say, Hey, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I want to practice for the next tournament. And I'd be like, cool. And we play the exact same rule set. I don't have to change anything. Yeah. I think that's one of the magics of this game is that you can do that. And it's very effective and it's very fun. I I agree with you. It's the primary draw of me to this game is that, I think that too many, a lot of games you feel like you have to commit one way or the other or you have to like have certain things for one way or the other and this one feels like you can cross contaminate so much it it works. Mhm. And yeah, I mean ultimately I think that this change is going to be a net positive down, you know, once we once we are a year from now we're able to kind of look at how things have have gone I think it's going to be a net positive. And also I got to say I don't I don't think AMG's done. It, no. with, with some changes so like this is just one piece of the puzzle that we're gonna that they're gonna build upon in the coming months if that makes yeah. sense i i will say that looking at this in a vacuum i think it's a negative i will disagree and say i think it's a negative change i think it's a very negative change but given that there's going to be a lot more changes coming up in the future i am excited to see what those do and my opinion i'm not so locked into my opinion i'm, I'm gonna bury my head in the sand and say no this is terrible i hate it I'm leaving. I'm more than willing to give it a try and have my opinion changed because I love the game too much to just leave. And I'd love to be able to enjoy every aspect of it. So if I can be convinced through play or you talking about it, then 
great. Uh, you know, I'll come around. Um, do you think this, I'm just very skeptical for now? That yeah, you, you bring up really. Do you think this this change would make you leave the game? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I think that's important. We talked about battle realms. I think battle realms would be more likely to do that. Right. Okay. Um, Fair. And I'll, I'll discuss that because uh, Sandbox had a question. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to ask. I was going to ask his question right now. So Sandbox says, with Merzane's disappointment with the crisis change, what would you propose it be instead? Would what about the idea of a ban system where you and your opponent bans one of your missions each instead of it being at random, picking between the ones available? So going back to I get one or two games a week, I really don't like ban systems. And it's one of the reasons I don't like Battle Realms. I yeah. think that they're inherently unfun for at least one side in most situations. Yeah. Um, if I'm getting a game or two a week, I don't want you to tell me I can't run the cool character I just put together. Yeah. Because that sucks. Because then I'm like, well, what, why did I bring this up? Why did I even bring this character that I, why did I just put this model to get together last night and get it ready for today? Yeah. Uh, I think that, and, and again, you know, talking about splitting, I think that's a, a further split because some people just aren't going to do that. Yeah. Um, I, and if I want to play a crisis casually, I'll just say, Hey, I want to play, I want to play research station. You cool with that? Can we play research station? What, what blue do you want to take? Oh, you want to, you want to take, you want to take yeah. uh, extremist? Cool. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but when I come to a competitive, even a competitive play, or the, the way that competitive play usually bleeds in is you do stuff. You usually do that in casual play because it's the fair way to do it mm -hmm. most of the time. I don't want to be told, hey, you can't play that one you want to do. You just can't. I'm telling you, you can't. I don't want to play against it. Yeah, I think a, a ban system, I'm with you here, like banning something, probably not. But what about drafting? It's a little different. So as in you and your opponent both bring X number and then you both like mix them up and then divvy them or something? Something like that. Or or you say, okay, you know, it, you know priority gets to, to pick something and then... Like I don't know how how you would do it in MCP, but like with Guild Ball as an example, you know you you pick your captain first, and based on what captain you pick, you you then kind of select the rest of your team, and you kind of know oh. based on the captain choice what's going to happen in the game. Now that's a little bit of a different thing, but maybe there's some kind of like you know like hey, you know you're you're you can make counter picks picks and counter picks based on something that your opponent does and not without telling them they can't play the thing they want, but like saying maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a draft system. I think, I think the primary issue with it would be how long it might take at the beginning of the round. Exactly. So I like how quick, I like how quick it is to get into the game. Typically. There's and I not think a whole that, lot of pregame. Th this is another way to kind of really speed that up. Mm -hmm. it, it, just because I know one of the things at Nashcon, like it was such a tight, time window like there were times when i'd still be setting up the crisis when it would be like all right time to start playing and it's like crap let me hurry up you know so yeah so yeah i i i think that that can be helped with a little bit with reps too when you know yeah when you know what you want you get discarded you go, mm, okay yeah this um yeah. The, the random does speed that up a little bit uh for people who are a little bit more indecisive it helps there for but again for competitive events when you're on a time right. limit so, uh, I want to keep keep it moving here. Unfortunately, because yeah, we we are good. working on a time thing. So, uh, 
Sandbox also says, will you be championing Dale for season six? If we're talking about Ghost Rider um, <laughs> as Dale, uh, I am playing Sam Spam currently. Um, I forgot Midnight Suns were available. Mm, um, you made a mistake there. Yeah, I may swap to Midnight Suns. We'll see. Um, I really went so. I really was looking at Hulk, like I said, Hulkbuster and Helios Laser were the jam I wanted to to run. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of got. I got told no. Um, so I just I'm playing Sam Sam because it's familiar. Yeah, I got you. Um, I may swap, uh, especially after I watched Matt uh, win with Ghost Rider against. Uh, uh, Travis Foss. That was a. I, I saw part of that game, and it was really refreshing to watch Ghost Rider feel cool. And I've heard a lot of people tell me I should have watched it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I missed that one, but I'm glad to hear that Ghost Rider was doing awesome things for a change. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested. Nice. Uh, but currently, there are no plans to to resurrect uh, the writer. Uh, Dale, the trophy, <laughs> however, is on my mantle, and he watches me at my computer every day. Nice, nice. So uh, Dale is all. If you if it makes you feel better, Dale watches over me at all times. At all times. Okay, good. So Leland says, can Merzane explain why his opinion on the change to Crisis Cards is wrong, and is he willing to withdraw his erroneous statements? I think I'm going to take this one for you. We've confirmed that you don't think it's wrong, so no withdrawing of erroneous <laughs> statements. Uh, well, I I did say I am willing to try them. I'm willing, and I'm willing to change my mind if I feel like. I was I was wrong. I'll admit it. If you want me to come on the show specifically to, at the end of the thing, say I'm an idiot. I was wrong. I'd do that. That's fine. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna expect that at some point. <laughs> Quote me on it. You yeah. Sign me up. I, I yeah. I like I said. Like I want to try it. I have. I'm skeptical, and and not to like get super hard into it. I I have my my fears and my doubts, but I I I'm willing to try it, and I'm also confident that if it's a problem and people don't like it, AMG will change it. I, I do agree with that. So I, I think I'm not scared. Yeah, that's that's really fair. And and I don't think that this is going to turn people away from the game. Like you you could maybe lose like one or two hardcores, but I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think anyone's quitting over this. Exactly. Not yet. I think if it becomes a problem for some reason, which I don't see a reason why it would, then you might get that 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 scare. But I don't I don't think this is a problem problem. Yeah. I just think it could be a negative yeah, overall, I can see that. So, AJP two says, "Did Merzane sell out this season?" I see no jank and only sweaty meta. There you go, man. You wouldn't let me take Helios Laser. <laughs> I was gonna put three point Tony Stark in my list. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't take Helios Laser. No, yeah, it's okay. You totally <laughs> you sold out. You sold out. It's done. I, I guess so. Yep. So, <laughs> Nate says, uh, "Will Black Order?" become more or less dominant with the gem and crisis selects and changes as they tend to play the game differently than other affiliation. I'm going to go ahead and say I think they will be less dominant in terms of... I still don't think they're going to be very popular overall, but I do think that they will be less kind of, oh, shit, when I, you see them on the other side of the table. I don't know about more dominant as an affiliation on the table or even in the meta, um, my prediction is that they become more flexible and rosters, including black order in them will become more powerful. It's a lot easier to dual affiliation into someone because you're opening three to four roster slots and right. getting two more tactic slots. Right. 
Um, so while Black Order's win rate as an affiliation may not go up, I think that rosters will be more powerful in general um, going forward. Unless, and I, like I said before, they might change stuff on them. I hope they do a little bit here and there just to help casual and newer players not fall into the negative play experience traps that they can, they, they can lay. Yeah. Um, without bringing the power. I, I think that they're, I think that they're almost okay at power level. I just want them to, I want them to feel more fair to play against for yeah. people who aren't uh, inoculated to it. <laughs> inoculated. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so we've got Bam Fousey with a question about kind of the season six thing, but I'm going to save that for just a second. Uh, Nate B says, do you think in competitive games that people will build around Hulkbusters always have a backup superpower like the advanced R&D Wong characters of the bodyguard to protect Iron Man until he can get enough power? And uh, Flint says, following on from that, do you think people will see always have a backup played regularly, if at all, or is it going to be a case of chasing the ace? So we kind of talked about this during our discussion on that. And like you said, I think building toward always have a backup, it's very specific and it's very cost intensive. I think it's a trap. I completely think it's a trap. from, From a competitive standpoint, it's a trap. From a casual standpoint, I feel like it's not anywhere near as hard as building for um, Fearful Symmetry, the Craven Becomes Spider-Man thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but it is a lot more difficult than building towards a three and maybe even a four point for Mr. Sinister with his cloning banks. Yeah. And that was a question by Nate B. followed by Flint. Uh, yeah. You said Bamfuzi. He asked about Xavier Protocol. Yeah, Bamfuzi asked about something else. I, I, I wanted to skip his for just a second. Okay. Yeah, Nate B asked that question. Yes, I got confused. <laughs> Sorry, I, I definitely you, yeah. The the listeners probably got confused too, so my bad. But either way, yeah, I think we we kind of covered all of that, and it's it's definitely chasing a dragon situation. So, um, and real quick, uh, I pickle said pickle asked about do we see Hulkbuster outside of the Avengers affiliation? We touched on that. Absolutely. In certain cases, yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. So, definitely want to make sure we cover all of that. So now, real quick. I want to talk about my roster for the Season 6 thing. I'll just tell everybody what it is and kind of some things I've learned about it. So it's Convocation only. I have no other option for anything else. And it's Ancient One, Baron Mordo, Clea, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme version, Doctor Voodoo, and then we've got Iron Fist, Moon Knight, Okoye, Wong, and Hood. So interestingly enough, I could go Leaderless Midnight Suns. Because they added Wong Heck to the yeah. Midnight Suns, thank goodness. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely just leaning into Convocation. Tactics cards, we've got Brace for Impact, Book of Cagliostro, Astral Ring, Ironbound Books of Shumagorath, Heroes for Hire, Plane of Poldock, The Bar with No Doors, and Hood's Gang. And real quick, I'm going to say, the fact that Bar with No Doors counts against your tactics cards is lame. <laughs> It'll feel better when you get 10, though. Yeah, exactly. It'll it'll definitely feel better when you get 10, but like you can add it when you're picking your, your tactics cards. You add it as a sixth card to your tactics, which is nice, but the fact that it still takes up that slot, I think, is just frustrating. But yeah, I, 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 I can see it. that. I get it. So crisis selections, my secure crisis are Infinity Formula, Demons Downtown, and Portals Overrun the City with Spider People. And then Extract Crisis is Hammers, Research Station, 
and panic grips the city, so citizens. Mm -hmm. So the idea with this list that I want to do, I want to go after the citizens. I want to try to get the citizens because pretty much everybody that I'm going to be playing, Ancient One, Mordo, Clea, and Doctor Strange, Voodoo's the only one that doesn't, but all of them have kind of like extra power gain just naturally or can spend an action to gain that extra power. So being able to have power to evacuate the citizens is something that I think I can manage. Right. Right. And and it's kind of meant to be more of a fighty thing with, with all of this list here. Like, I, I kind of like the idea of getting into a fight. I played a couple of games last night against CS. So there you go. And oh, no. I learned that playing Mayor Fisk is the worst crisis for me. Period. I can see it. <laughs> it's terrible because nobody is immune to stun. So all Doctor Strange getting three power in the power phase. Oh, guess what? If you go take this this point, well, guess what? You're not getting power now. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. And um, however, Gamma and being able to go up against CS and Gamma, you think, well, that's not good. That's probably a negative matchup. It really, I rolled pretty hot for a change so that was nice but it wasn't a terrible matchup and i really like my 15 point list my 14 point list is okay i'm not in love with it my 16 point list is okay but my 15 point i really like and everything else is i, I really like so yeah that's that's just kind of some some interesting rando things what do you think about all this list do you think it sounds fun stupid ridiculous well i'm gonna tell you right now convocation I am not smart enough to play. <laughs> you well, are I braver not. than I. You are braver <laughs> than I to be playing Convocation. I am waiting for smart people to tell me how that how it works. Uh, yeah, Convocation kind of blows my mind. <laughs> um, it sounds cool. Like, and I think in a CS you feel a little good because you got the Mystics. Exactly. They're not super great in the Mystics. Uh, I, but good luck, dude. Like, I uh. They've got a lot going on, and you're brave to be doing them before all the changes. Where I think they're going to get like super, super bombastic. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And just playing them against my buddy the other night, like I mean, I'm sitting there like, all right, what does this do again? Okay, how how do I need to to think about doing this? And like, it's it's one of those. I think they're going to end up being super unforgiving, and you know, using someone like Voodoo with his, oh hey, now you don't you don't play the objective game at all this turn. And and using that like strategically is gonna be really nice. Merzane's gotta run, so I'll just kind of finish it off here on my own. Thanks, Merzane, for hanging out with me. Thank you much. Y'all have a good one. Later, buddy. And good luck this season. You too, bud. So suits, I'm just gonna finish off talking about this real quick. And uh, unfortunately, Merzane had to leave. Uh so a little bit wonky on the ending here, but I just wanted to tell everybody kind of some stuff I've learned about this list. I think Dr. Voodoo is unsung hero of Convocation. I think the being able to make it to where people can't interact with objectives by by doing the possession thing is really useful. And timing that is going to be key. And it's one of those things where if my opponent has an extract and then they come into a fight in some kind of way and I'm able to get within range three to use possession... I'm going to try to do it, and I think that one of the ways you kind of can counteract that in some capacity or another 
is to put it on high threat characters. So four or above, put your, your extract objective on someone like that because it's power equal to the threat value of the character in order to possess them. So it's it's kind of difficult with these higher threat values. I didn't have too much of an issue doing it overall. Like his power generation was not bad with his spirit venom attack, sat power, plus rolling at least a skull. He gains an extra power, so like Shuri on that. So it wasn't too bad, but it was also the only thing I was doing. So was possessing people and then trying to remember or decide whether or not to recall spirit at certain instances is also really important with this character. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to play this list. I think it's going to be, be difficult, but I think it's going to be fun ultimately. And I always like trying new stuff. And the last thing I'm going to talk about here is a Bamfuzi has a question for us. Checking Xavier Protocol's roster breakdown for Season 6, which we're going to discuss more in depth in a later episode here. 68% went single affiliation. Only 28% went dual affiliation. With new crisis selection, will multi-affiliation become more popular to be able to react to different crises? I think the answer to that question is yes. I think ultimately flexibility will win out, but I think the game's also moving into a direction where kind of having enough options within one affiliation is viable. So like Convocation's kind of the new new kid on the block, but like look at Avengers for instance. You can have access to any type of roster you want within Avengers currently. Same thing with Cabal, right? Like there, there's a lot of things that can be done within each affiliation to kind of say, all right, well, I'm going to use it in this way instead of this way. And there's also a case to be made for leaderless affiliations at times too. So do I think that it will make dual affiliation more popular? Probably, but I don't necessarily think that you have to look at it and say, well, I need to have dual affiliation just in case. Now, for those of you that have been listening for a long time, my default is kind of more or less dual affiliation. I haven't done it in these leagues lately just because I've been trying to have fun and try new stuff. And so I like trying and, and learning new things. So that's why I don't really do it right now. But I can tell you, looking at my roster, I would drop Hood and put Blade in and just go ahead and do dual affiliation convocation and Midnight Suns if I had it to do all over again. But there is that, uh, and which I will have it to do all over again. So next up it says, uh, and if so, what do you think, which affiliations might benefit from the changes? Are there any losers? So no, I don't think there's any losers per se. I think that the ones that will benefit from affiliation, like Merzane said right before he left there, was the, the Black Order is definitely going to benefit in a way because then you can say, well, I can be Black Order or Midnight Suns or, or whatever and and not feel terrible about it because you'll have those extra roster spots that aren't going to be taken up by gems, but you'll be more limited where you can drop your Black Order. So I don't think there's anything that's going to be like massively changing in that regard. And, and like I said earlier, I do think that there's more changes brewing. I, I don't know what those changes are. I don't see any way they're going to change things up kind of massively but at the same time are there other things they could do to make this crisis change be less 
whatever. I don't even I don't even know. But like, I personally don't have an issue with this crisis change. I, I think speed of setup, speed uh, of of kind of just getting the dice rolling is generally a good thing. I do agree with Merzane in that you know being able to counter pick when someone gets priority is is a good thing. But at the same time, I think that it's just, I don't know. I, I haven't played enough games with this change to know one way or the other, but I don't see it as a net negative. And I think that the biggest thing is it will, in the competitive scene, lead to more, well, or less crisis diversity. But at the same time, if you plan your roster right, I think that there's enough crisis diversity within all the crises that you can kind of make happen what you want to make happen in some way or another so so there's that and yeah with all that I think that's where we're going to put a bow on this one and I think that uh, we might do a couple extra bonus episodes uh, here soon because we've just been uh, bombarded with information and we need to get caught up and I want to keep talking to the suits out there about everything so make sure to keep it locked right here hit that subscribe button and make sure to like, follow, leave a review if you're able. It really helps other people looking for Crisis Protocol content and looking for content like we do uh, get the get the word out, so to speak. And also, if you have an opportunity, I know it might hurt your chances, but uh, share our giveaway with your friends, with other people on social media, all that stuff. Share that around because we definitely want to get as many people an opportunity to get these great models as possible. And don't forget our secret code. Again, Spirit Bomb is definitely our secret code. You can find Merzane on the Advanced R&D podcast slash YouTube channel. So make sure to go check that out. And yeah, with that, I guess I'm going to say party on Merzane. He would say party on Will and power down suits. Suits.